0: Okay, let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20, we're going to be looking at several passages today, and then Ephesians chapter 6, if I get that far. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we come before you, and we humble ourselves before your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, take this passage and again teach us not only what you taught the nation of Israel, but even, Lord, what the church needs to know about the truths found in this passage of Scripture. I pray, Lord, from, for the young people that they would hear. They would hear the things mentioned here in Scripture, and that it would bring clarity to their mind, conviction to their heart, and practice to their words and their actions and their deeds. And I pray, Lord, that through it, that they may reap the benefits of what is taught in this commandment. And then I pray, Lord, your name would receive the glory. And I thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. So the commandments, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. They spell out for us our relationship with God, who is holy. The first commandment, that we are to recognize that he alone is to have the first place in our hearts, and our lives. Secondly, that we should never make any attempt at all whatsoever to make any visible representation of the invisible God. To do so would lead ourselves into idolatry. Thirdly, that we are responsible to take the name of God and live it out in the world and treat the name of God wherever we go, whatever situation we're in, with honor and respect and reverence and that it would specifically be seen in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And the fourth commandment, which I spent three weeks on, is our responsibility of one day in seven to attend to God's honor and our soul. Not one day that we come up with, but one day that God's come up with. For Israel, it was Saturday, the Sabbath, the day of rest. And for us, it is Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we also celebrate our rest in Christ. That because Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath, He becomes our rest. So the Lord's Day, Sunday, is a special day. It is is a time that we rest from the temporal cares of our life and so where Christians can enjoy their relationship with Jesus Christ uh, and their present and future rest. Also, the Lord's Day, Sunday, is a special day, a day we voluntarily assemble ourselves with other Christians for solemn worship, for happy service to God, for fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and a time of praise and spiritual activity. The Lord's Day Sunday is a special day, a day we come and celebrate the resurrection of Christ and rejoice in our new life in Him. We are reminded we are born anew by faith and thank God for the miracle of redemption that He has performed in us. That's what we do on Sunday. The Lord's Day Sunday is a special day, a day we come and offer to God as an act of worship our very lives, our wealth, and our service. And so today we come to this fifth commandment. And of course, this fifth commandment right here is found in verse number 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord, your God, gives you. So this commandment is referred to as a transitional commandment. It's smack right in the middle of the commandments. This is because the family structure lays at the foundation of all other forms of authority and obedience within culture. Parents were and still are given the responsibility to teach their children how to live within the framework and structure of the law or the word of God. For the Jew, the law of Moses, which included the moral, the judicial, and the ceremonial. For the Christian, it's the law of Christ. This is to be done in the context of family and community. The conscious reality, when we come to the fifth commandment, is that we human beings were created in the image of God and are responsible for our character. We are responsible for our actions. We are justly held accountable for our habits and our words and our deeds. So then this fifth commandment is the bridge between our responsibility God word and the first four commandments. And our, now our responsibility manward. Parents do in some sense occupy to their children the place of God. I was not asked whether I would come into existence or not. No one consulted me. No one consulted you. That question was determined for me by my parents. So also you. Of course, the sovereignty of God and the providence of God were in play when all those things took place. And just think for a moment. Much of what and who we are comes from our parents. There is this mysterious relationship between our moral life and the moral life of our parents. There is equally a connection between our physical and intellectual life and theirs. Our voice, the length and shape of our limbs, our height, the color of our hair, the strength and clearness of our sight, the soundness of our brain, our muscular vigor, whatever constitutes our weakness or our power, we largely are determined, it's, it has largely been determined for us by our what our parents were. We also were and are dependent upon them for the food and clothing that were provided to us, care that they have given to us. If not, we would have died. We were dependent on their wisdom or their whim, on their harshness or their kindness for our happiness or lack of it. and for what is of very much greater importance than happiness for the influences which gave the original direction and form to our development of our character. And of course, parents have a lot to do with the development of their children's character. Here's the profundity of the fifth commandment, that we alone are responsible for our actions. If you notice our text, it says honor your father and your mother. So this is the first place that we will learn how to interact with others right in our family. Whether we come from a good family or not so good, we are still responsible as to how we respond to our parental relationship. The ultimate idea of the relationship between parents and children is found in the relationship between God and all mankind. Honoring parents and God are closely related. You cannot separate those two things. So now let's look at this fifth commandment and begin to look at the meaning of it. The meaning of the fifth commandment would be the first thing. And if you notice the passage of Scripture starts out with a word. It says, honor your father and mother. This To give honor to where honor is due. It is the Hebrew word kabod. Really, that word means heavy. It means to be weighed down. In this case, it means that the child of the parent is to be weighed down with respect. It means to honor your father and mother, to honor your father and mother is a very, very serious and weighty matter. It is a weighty commandment. To honor one's parents means much more than obedience. It includes obedience. But further, it is to give your parents a place of superiority, to hold them in high esteem. The parental relationship, according to Kevin DeYoung, in his book on the Ten Commandments, he says the the parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. It is a relationship that will shape all other relationships. Of course, there are all kinds of exceptions. Good parents to bad kids. Bad parents to good kids. Of course, we know that the sovereignty and providence of God comes into that. We live in a cursed world. Our parents really, when we start having kids, no one gives us a book that says, this is exactly how you do it, and if you do it just way, it's all going to turn out right. But we do have a book called the Bible. And the Bible is a book that not just teaches children to respect their parents, but the parents should have learned that. If they did not learn that, maybe they weren't believers. They didn't learn it, but now they're learning it after the fact. They're still learning it, and it is important for us all to learn this principle and to pass it on to younger people, older women passing it on to younger women, men passing it on to young men, so we can get into the mind, our own minds and the minds of our children what God expects of us. Parents who are absent and have pushed off their responsibilities to someone else are worthy of neither respect nor honor. Such disregard not only damages the community, but the church. Also, a child... A child's natural bent is to defy parental authority. And that is to be dealt with by the parents at the most youngest age. Right? Before any kind of disobedience or rebellion gets ingrained in the child's character, the parents are to take care of that. Matter of fact, when a, a parent disciplines their child, they are disciplining their child really for two reasons. Number one, disobeying their voice. And then also, any kind of rebellion that's already in their heart. We need to steer them away from their natural bent to sin in particular areas. So so parents are the ones that are observing their children, and they are teaching their children what they ought to learn and heading off at the pass any kind of bad behavior that could be ingrained in their character and make a, where a child would make a ruin of their life later on. So a parent is to do it while they're pliable, while they're tender shoots. When they can be molded and shaped in any direction. And of course the goal is to to move your child as a parent from being a child that could be naive or foolish to someone who can be wise. Someone who could give honor to their parents and then ultimately would give honor to God. That's the point. So you parents can get your kids to listen to your voice and to follow your lead, which will then be re- transferred over to the Lord, and that is, in that child's heart, a willful honor and obedience to the God who's created the heaven and the earth, to the God who's given us the plan of redemption, to the God in whom they are responsible to for their actions, their words, and uh, their thoughts. So nonetheless... This is how God set up the design of things. When we follow them, we please our Lord. When we don't follow them, we displease our Lord. So God places a special value on parental authority. Parents, you do have the power. I said that before in my messages. You have the power, right? Use that power over your kids, if you still have young kids, use that power that God's given you. The authorities God's given you to direct that child, to discipline that child, to admonish that child, to teach that child what it means to live a sober and serious life before God. So the parent and child relationship is the first place where we learn what it is to have someone in authority over us. It's where we learn to listen to people. It's where children learn how to obey. Even when they are told things to do they don't want to do. It is the place children learn how to honor and respect others. And what it means to worship God and to carry out the first four commandments. Because remember, this fifth commandment is the transitional commandment. The other four come before it. So it's, it's really about God and how we should worship God first properly, give him the honor, give him the day of worship, and then parents are the ones who now teach that. Live it out before them. It's not just sitting down and having a Bible study uh, every evening, but it's living it out in your words, in your thoughts, in your deeds, in your actions, in what you do, in your schedule, what's your habits. Your kids are learning all those particular things. So the meaning of this fifth commandment is one in which we are honoring our parents with positive actions. Positive actions, and so we're going to be looking up certain passages. Not yet, though, but I do have some passages that go with this. And at first, it involves it involves really listening to our parents. Honor your father and mother, and of course, this means that the first thing we're to do is we're to listen. Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-two. Listen to what it says. It says, "Listen to your father, who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old." So the scripture is telling us here: listen. The first thing a child needs to do is listen, right? Isn't that when a a child is born in the world, what are they? They're listening, right? They're gathering information, right? And so the first thing a parent is to do is to Direct at that child what they need to hear, and the child is now listening, 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 listening. They listen for a long time, even before they, they before they say a few words. A lot of diapers are changed, a lot of words are spoken, but they're listening, they're listening, they're listening. All right, and so. The mother and the father are part of this process, according to Scripture. The responsibility is not just laid on one and not the other. It's laid on both of them as their authorities that God's given them in, in the first part of their life. They are involved with listening. And then also, it involves finally adhering to what they're listening to. There's two different things. I can listen to you but that doesn't mean I'm going to put into practice what I'm listening to, right? So, see, the second thing Scripture directs the parents to, right found in right in Proverbs, is, 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 is adhering to the teaching. As the parent is communicating to the child, the child is has been listening all along, but now are they going to do what you are telling them to do? Because you are the authority. You can tell your children what to do and what not to do, right? And so... You gotta be tough as a parent. You gotta be consistent as a parent, right? You have to put these things into practice every single day before your child. They have to know your voice inflections. They have to know when you are fooling around with them and when you are serious. And of course, the rule should be when you speak the first time and you're serious, they should come the first time, right? If they don't come the first time, There is that element of rebellion that is brewing in their little heart, that if you let them go and let them go and let them go, they will think your word's not serious, and that you don't really mean it the first time. You mean it the 10th time. Or when your voice gets louder, or when you're yelling, and if you're yelling, you're no longer in control. The kid's in control, right? We all know that. See, So that becomes a very important principle. And notice the passage here. It says this. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And then notice verse 9 there in Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. This is what it means that when a child is obedient to their instruction of their father and the teaching of their mother it 's a beautiful sight to see it 's a wreath on their head all right. it's it's ornaments around their neck see so obedience and honor to parents is a beautiful sight for people who are looking on and saying and and actually evaluating a child's character. Wow, that that kid has a good character. They have a good outlook on life. They, they they know they have something going in that kid's life, you know. And so the best way to show yourself a fool is to think your parents are fools. And of course, this is what happens with children. The book of Proverbs reiterates and admonishes to honor one's parents, extolling them as fountains of wisdom. That's what you are, parent. You are a fountain of wisdom. Proverbs 10.1 says, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is grief to his mother. So obedience and honor foster self-discipline, which in turn brings about a stability, and yes, even a longevity, a quality, a well-being about life. And it starts with the parents and the child, and the child honoring the parents. So we honor the parents by positive actions of that of listening and that of obeying, putting into practice what you're listening to. And then secondly, it would be that of the meaning of the commandment, of honoring our parents is that of honoring our parents by avoiding negative actions. Now for this I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 21 because there are, are at least five negative actions that are mentioned in the Old Testament that ought to be considered by us as parents and children uh, you are, you have parents and so if you're listening this morning that these are very important for you not only Never to avoid completely, but uh, also to watch out in your own life that they are not um, something you are doing on a a regular basis. And the first one would be that of Exodus 21 verse number 17. Uh, It says, he who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Of course, the first one here would be that of not cursing them, all right? The severe threat in the, in the passage posed by violation of this commandment functions, really, or functions as a deterrent for those who would uh, have a rebellious nature to them. And we're going to read the rest of the passage in 21 in a minute. But that's the first thing, is not to curse them. And, you know, the, so I think what, when I was growing up, some of the ugliest things that I, I saw uh, thank the Lord, the Lord, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my parents were good parents, and uh, we lived in a very peaceful home, uh, we never cursed at each other, uh, and we never, we were treated each other with kindness, and uh, and those kind of things, uh, but, you know, they didn't have the principles of Proverbs in my home, so things did get out of hand once in a while, but, but nonetheless, when, when I would go over to my friend's house, and I, w- I would see how he would talk to his father, I would say my father would never put up with that. I mean, just calling him old man and like just derogatory things about him, like I would never, I, I, would, I would actually leave there saying that that's not good. But, you know, I was just a kid then. But I, I was logging that kind of stuff in and I would, say, I would walk home saying, I'm glad that's not going on in my house. And so, see, that it does have an effect on people that when kids curse their parents, it's, it's not a pretty sight it, it 's really the it 's like the lowest you can be, and so that is definitely a thing that the bible is telling us listen don 't do that and then second passage of scripture I want you to turn to over to uh deuteronomy chapter twenty seven exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy all right chapter twenty seven verse sixteen again something similar to the other one, but it's really not treating your parents, secondly, not treating them with disrespect or dishonor. It says in Deuteronomy 27, verse 16, curse it, is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say amen. Now, this is one of the things that that Deuteronomy is called is really means second law it means it was a reiter- reiteration of the exodus given uh, the commandments given to Moses but it was an expansion of them it was like okay this is how it works out in practical life and so they would every uh year they would come the whole congregation would come together and they would read out the law and every time Moses would be done with a section the people would say amen and this is one of the sections here curse Cursed is he who dishonor his father and mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. So be it. That's the way it ought to be. See, that's what Amen means. And so they're never to treat your parents with uh, disrespect. All right. And then, of course, the third thing is not stealing from them. Proverbs 28, 24. I have this on the screen here. I want you to see this. It says, He who robs his father or his mother and says it is not a transgression, that means a a sin, but a a crooked perversion of what is right is a transgression, is a companion of a man who destroys. So, So the action of a child to disregard your parents' possessions is also going to be in violation of the... Next couple of commandments, thou shalt not steal. All right? Children, I was, I'm, my mom's a little is getting up there in age, and, and I have to read these articles on elder law. And one of the things I'm discovering is that how when uh, a parent gets to a certain age, their children start robbing them and uh, taking things from them that really don't belong to them. And, um, and, of course, it could be that sometimes the parents, when they get to a certain age, they have a lot more than you have. And so you have to be very careful that when you're taking care of, of a parent and they're starting to fail and they can't no longer write out checks or you have to take care of their bank, bank accounts, you have to be very careful that you, you do not steal from your, your parents in any way uh, because the, that would be definitely dishonoring to them. Now, they may never know it but it's it it's it's not about them anymore it's about your relationship before God God knows it right and so therefore i'm honoring my parent because God says to right that's why i'm doing it you know and so of course we have we come from different situations different context different parental parental uh, styles and all those kind of things. Uh, Maybe your parent wasn't even there for you. right? Well, So those things have to be taken into consideration. But nonetheless, uh, I'm talking about a parent who's been around, who's had influence in your life, who's cared for you, who's been there through thick and thin ups and downs. So we are not to steal from our parents. And then, of course, a next thing would be that of Of course, it becomes more serious not striking them. In Proverbs 21, in verse number 15, he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. You see how in the Old Testament how severe it was if somebody did this and it was a habit in their life. And and most of these characteristics would be already habitual. This is the character of the person. This person's always striking people. So a son or daughter who strikes or curses his, his or her father or mother was to be stoned. That's pretty serious, to be stoned to death. Why? Because it would upset the whole community, the whole nation. If you let this rebellion go on, this cancer go on, it will take over all right and then that the kids the younger kids growing up would say well well i can take that example too and it would be a bad example and that bad example would be now embedded in their character and then as if you let that go on and let that go on then you become an enabler of a person who has a bad character and of course it will destroy any community and it will destroy a nation it will destroy a country if all you have is rebellion In the character so we're not to do that and we're to avoid these things and the next thing would be that we are not to flagrantly disobey parents and uh, and this is where I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy if you're still there Deuteronomy 21 verse 18 through 21 see a son or daughter who persistently disobeys parents was to be again stoned It says in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, it says, If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of the of his hometown in verse 20 they shall not they shall say to the elders of the city this this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious he will not obey us he's a glutton and a drunkard then all the men of the city shall stone him to death you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it and fear of course you can see the motivation there right the motivation for the children to say, listen, if I persist in that attitude, that could happen to me, right? So again, the responsibility that a, a child has as they're growing up to honor their parents, and this is the way they do it in a positive way, and they do they can also avoid the negative of what where their sin nature would take them. So this means that the general p- principle was disobedience and dishonor promote a lack of discipline which in turn brought instability into the community it brought a shortened life right you lose your life and a lack of well-being that all evaporates within the within a context of family and community when rebellion is allowed to go on so there's an obvious difficulty that arises from this subject some People may say today, some young people may say today, well, that their parents are not lovable and that therefore they cannot love them. Or some may say that they are not wise, so therefore I cannot respect them. Or that they are unreasonable and selfish and have vices of temper and speech and therefore it is impossible for me to honor them. Now this is not a few... There's not, there is, is really not a few ch- children, I'm sure, in our day that are inclined to take this position. There are. At first hearing, this could seem to be reasonable enough. If the tables are turned on the children, would they want their parents or guardians to judge them with that same standard? The answer would, to that would be no, they would not. But what would happen if your parents had given you only as much affection and care as you seemed to deserve. When you were not very lovable, and you were helpless and very needy, and for some very troublesome, but happily most of our Christian fathers and mothers, or even if they were not, but they were uh, in the sense pretty decent people, they would even think, hey, this is a gift from God. The honest truth about most of us was that we were very plain. And with somewhat cloudy intelligence, our tempers were far from likable. And on top of these, we were very selfish and self-centered. And as one pastor had concluded, we were demons in diapers. And and so our kids are, too. But our parents did love us the best way they could, just the way we were, because we were their children. And their love really transfigured us. They loved us in spite of our faults and our shortcomings. So... Young people, your parents, who have lived in this world twenty or thirty years longer than you yourself, have found out some things that you don't know anything about. If you are silly enough to dispense with all their of all their experience, then you will uh, it's tolerably uh, certain that you will suffer for your folly. However, According to scripture, it says, honor your father and your mother. So do not express the habit of contempt if your parents are not what they ought to be, if they're not as smart as you think they ought to be, or if they have certain prejudices that you think should not be there. But they do know more than you do. And you might possibly Uh, will see in them, as you look at them properly, a power and a wisdom uh, which you as a youth have not experienced yet and discovered that their experience do mean something and they know more about you than life. So the bottom line is that if parental authority came to be generally disregarded in any nation, in any country, in any community, in any family, the whole structure of a community, a society, a country would dissolve. It would it would it would be gone. In fact, the Old Testament prophet Micah speaks of a extreme decline in the order of family relationships, of friendships and even in neighborhoods when this particular attitude takes over. In fact, you get to the point where you cannot trust anybody. Listen, Look what Micah says here in this passage. I want you to see this. It says this. Do not, Micah 7, verse 5 and 6, do not trust in a neighbor. Do not have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. For a son treats father contemptuously. Daughter rises up against her mother daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. So in other words, that when it breaks down, when society is taken over by an attitude where one does not honor parents, mother, and father anymore, they do not regard God as an authority in their life, and they despise those things, and this is what happens. Nobody can trust anybody. So does To despise those who brought them into the world and nurtured them to adulthood is a sign of the times even today in the New Testament. What did the Apostle Paul tell young Timothy, who was going to pastor? He said this For men, for they'll, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents and then notice the last part of that lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and those go together as soon as you have disobedience to your parents you already have people that don't love God they love pleasure and so therefore those two things go together they're they're very closely connected and there are examples in Scripture of parental displeasure over the action of their children. Let me just give you, throw out some to you. Jacob fears Rebekah's cunning plan that his mom could offend his father. We see that in Genesis. Esau's foreign marriage is unpleasant to his parents, and it's recorded in Scripture in Genesis 26. Reuben commits incest and is cursed by his father Eli's sons Eli being a priest his sons did not know the lord and were disobedient to him recorded in 1 samuel absalom david's son steals the heart of israel and infades his father's harem ham's affair violated the fifth commandment because of the disrespect he had against his father, recorded in Genesis chapter 9. And then here's an example I want you to look at that Jesus brings up, or the the Gospels bring up, uh, concerning what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Now take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 7, and just notice what's going on here. Now we're talking about the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. They are the ones who are teaching the word of God, they are, one, they are the ones who are leading the nation. Uh, they are teaching fathers and mothers how to be parents from the Torah. They are teaching them. And then you notice that the Pharisees, those religious leaders, during the time of our Lord walked, uh, as, actually when the Lord walked the earth, Jesus took issue with them because they found a way to subtly withhold support from their parents. When they got older, he calls them out for breaking the weightier commandments. And notice in verse number, let me go up to verse number 6 first. Mark chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus said that the Pharisees and scribes gave God lip service without heart. That means they were hypocrites, where it says in verse 6, it says, And he said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. See, so their lips give the external impression of devotion, but their hearts and lives are a great distance from God. So, in other words, Jesus uh, illustrates their error and exposes the sin of hypocrisy, and he does that in verse 10 through 7 of Mark chapter 7 Before I read that Jesus really indicts the Pharisees and scribes self-invented tradition and presses them with a very personal example on how their system of rules and regulations put put lesser things before weightier things like the fifth commandment and this is what he said in Mark 7 in, in verse number uh, 10 and 11. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, very important, you say, this is scribes in Pharisees, you say, your made-up tradition, if a man says to his father or his mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by is Korban. That is to say, given to God. Now, the term Korriban, that is to say, given to God, or sacred to God. If someone wished to dedicate some of his money or property to God, he dedicated and said korban, right? So once given to God, it could never again be used for any ordinary or secular purposes. So then, if father or mother were in need of help, some would declare Korriban, and which would say, I can't help you. In other words, they were saying, sorry, I cannot give you any help because nothing I have is available because all of it's dedicated to God. And this is what Jesus says to them in verse 12. You no longer permit him to do anything for his mother and father. So you put yourself in a place that you don't have Anything put aside so you can help out when help is called for. So Jesus is really saying, You guys have abolished the authority, not only of the fifth commandment, but of the very word of God. And he says in verse number 13, Thus invalidating the word of God by your traditions, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. He was only given one example of many things they have done wrong. Any regulation which prevented a person from giving help where help was needed, was nothing less than a contradiction to the law of God. Jesus shows here that rigid adherence to the traditional law can actually mean disobedience to the law of God. And, of course, adding things like your own traditions as equal to the word of God, what the Word of God says, actually diminishes and even cancels out Scripture, and so therefore you can't even do what God asked you to do because of your own foolish philosophy of life. So Jesus rebukes them concerning the fifth commandment. And we're talking about the religious leaders of of the nation. So if they were doing it, could you imagine what was happening on the lower rungs of society? right? And so when Jesus comes, his message to the religious leaders are, "You are just hypocrites, you're vipers, you're whitewashed walls inside you're nothing but dead men's bones. you have no life of God in your soul see that's 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 a great indictment when when they had the Word of God, and they didn't have to go there so Again, that that is the the meaning of this fifth commandment, and fleshed out a bit, and that brings us to the motivation that is found in this commandment. And there there is a motivation that is proper for children uh, when it comes to this commandment. Now, if you go back uh, to Exodus, you'll find out what it is, and it's this: in Exodus chapter twenty, verse number twelve, it says, "Honor your father and your mother." that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord, your God, gives you. All right, so here's the motivation. The motivation is that of a, of course, a better quality of life. Honoring parents brings goodness into one's life. In fact... The honoring of one's parents leads to a lengthening of one's days. The same result that ensues for fearing God. In fact, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So living long in the land was more than just chronology. The phrase really has to do with abundant life, quality of life. If you want to enjoy the full blessing that God has for you in the promised land, you'll listen to your mom and dad. That's really the bottom line. If you, Kids, if you want to enjoy life, listen to your mom and dad. If they are believers and they know the word of God, they know way more than you know. They have the word, they have experience, they have age and they can direct you in the right path. They have the best they have your best interest in mind. And not only that, they could make your life go very smoothly. Your home is enjoyable. You grow up, you want to go and have some education. they may help you out with that. they'll direct your life, they'll help you with this and that. they'll put you on the path so you can be a independent, Productive citizen in society, and go out into the world with an attitude where you know what you are to believe. you know who you are, you know the blessing that you've had with your parents, and so therefore you are experiencing abundant life. right? I have to God's, God enters in and says, "Listen, this is what I'm promising you. I'm promising you that you are going to have a better quality of life if you obey your parents. And if you don't obey your parents, you will not. So in other words, again, this fifth commandment is transferred over to the New Testament. right? So look, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and you see what's going on here in this passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, because we see, secondly, the reward is reiterated there the reward of honoring our parents not only in the Exodus passage to the nation of Israel but in the church today in our family where it says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 through 3 we see again here's the motivation uh, found in this commandment in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that you may be well it may be well with you and that you may live long on it remember it doesn't say the the nation or in, the, in promised land it says the earth so so it's noted when paul applies the commandment to the christian readers he omits any reference to the land of israel and universalizes it to the promise to and that you may live long on the earth wherever you may live on the earth this principle applies to you and so because it applies to you then listen you are the one who uh you are the one who is to uh receive the promise and of course that's what we see first of all we see that the picture it's a picture of a child who who starts to learn god's commandments Uh, for the first time, and after listening, and after honoring his parents, of course, Ephesians chapter 6 comes right after the teaching of the filling of the Holy Spirit. So this is how a spirit-filled child responds to his parents. So a spirit-filled child who is obeying and honoring his parents, right, reaps the promise and the blessing that goes with it and what is the promise a first really the first promise is something actually a promise is something that has positive characteristic to it right it it creates hope it creates anticipation honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise let me, let me just say it like this, uh, just a weak illustration of, of a father promising his children a big old sloppy banana split at the end of a hard day's work. Listen, you get through this day, we're going to go down there, we're going to have the biggest banana split, ice cream, whipped cream, strawberries, whatever you want on it. Caramel, hot syrup, whatever, chocolate syrup, whatever you want on it. And so what does that do? It creates in the child a desire. All right? An anticipation that if I do this good day's work, man, I'm going to get that big old banana split. Now, I don't know if you like banana splits. I don't know of anybody who doesn't like banana splits. But that would be a motivation for me. I'll tell you that right now. I want that banana split. But that's what we have here in Scripture. We have the promise that if you obey your mom and dad, the Lord will give you a banana split. I'm sure that's going to get some mileage, that one. (laughs) So it creates desire, the promise. So kids, when you honor your mom and dad, you actually gain respect and trust and freedom. The freedom that you actually crave comes from obedience, not disobedience. It comes from honoring your parents and then honoring the Lord not from rebellion. Rebellion works against you. Disobedience works against you. Honoring your parents and God works for you. It's a positive thing. It says in Deuteronomy, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. I'm telling you these things for your good so you can live a happy life, a peaceful life. An enjoyable life. So, the main teaching of Ephesians 6, verse number 3, is perfectly plain that this divine command is coupled with a divine assurance of blessing to all by whom it is obeyed, so that you may be well, it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. So, a second thing that we could observe here is that the onus is put on the one making the promise who's making the promise here God is making the promise all right and if he makes the promise you know one thing one thing about the Lord is he keeps his promise so this is that is they need to deliver God has to deliver on his promise which really causes an atmosphere of also mutual trust a child learns to trust God Wow, I honor my parents and the Lord's blessing me. The children learn to trust in the Lord and the word of God early in their life. And I think another observation would be the young person, thirdly, would be motivated to go on to listen to the voice of God and the rest of the commandments and the rest of the word of God and pursue more of the knowledge of God and the whole divine revelation that's been given to them learning that God who has revealed himself to his creatures and in the word of God and in creation has from the beginning taken care of his children by his own hand to care for their welfare and makes known to them his will and marks out to them the way to be happy. This is the way to be happy. So then a child learns early that listening and obeying to those in authority over them is beneficial and it becomes also motivational. I'm motivated to do this because God says to do it. And it brings tremendous blessing to the one who actually does it. So the Lord looks down on those who keep his word with pleasure, and he smiles upon kids who practice obedience. Thank God for his, such a promise as this. And of course, everybody knows this obeying is not easy. Sometimes it means obeying when you don't understand, sometimes it involves obedience when your personal desires are in direct opposition to your parents' desires. Yet if you honor God, then you must honor your parents' desires. Not sometimes, not when you think you are right, always. Of course, it's only when your parents are, if they're telling you to do something opposite of what God says to do, then that's a different story. Right? That's when you learn to make have discernment to know if the Lord, if my parents are telling me to do something that's illegal, something that is dishonoring to him, then that's where I disobey. Right, But I obey God. Obviously, that would not be the way to go. So kids, mark it down. Obedience comes easier when there is proper respect for your parents. And that means this, that we have the reward of an abundant life. In in Proverbs chapter uh, 3 and verse number 2, it says, for a length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. According to a man named Douglas Harris, who wrote a book on the biblical concept of peace, said this, he said, the word... Shalom, which is the word peace in our passage of Scripture that I just read, includes harmonious relationships within the family, payment of all debts, the collection of all loans. It means rewards or wages, ultimately even a right relationship with God which comes through Jesus Christ, our peace. So for a wise person... They receive the peace of God, which will be, of course, a length of days or quality, abundant life. But it says also in Proverbs when a wise man has a controversy with a foolish man, the foolish man either rages or laughs. There is no rest with a foolish person. They don't experience the rest and the blessing that comes from obedience to parents and God. They experience the unrest of their own disobedience and their own rebellion. That's why they always have ants in their pants. They never seem to rest in anything. They're always looking for something else to do, usually some trouble to be in. So remember, this is not a promise of a of long life in the world. It could be. It's not a promise of, of life in the world in every instance as a, re- as a result of obedience to God, or every obedient person would live to a ripe old age. But the general tendency is that keeping the divine precepts issue in the prolongation of life and the preservation of mental, spiritual health, in other words, a quality of life. Obedience of children to, let's say, wise and loving parents, results in habits of industry, of self-control, of self-respect, of faithfulness and kindness, of worship toward the Lord, which are absolute, which are an absolute guarantee of, of, of the success of a continuance of life that is, has quality to it. Now, why is that? Why would somebody have quality who decides to put this into practice because a person lives in a certain realm. What realm does he live in? That person lives in the realm where the word of God is desired, delighted, honored, and practiced. They live in the realm of obedience, where obedience is actually practiced. They live in the realm of sobriety, the realm of temperance. They have balance in all things in their life. They are people of hard work. They They have contentment, Uh, because of putting these things into practice. Their tempers and their passions are controlled by God's Spirit. Sexual fidelity is practiced. Integrity and uh, kindness and love are practiced. The worship of the Lord is practiced, not only on a Sunday, but on a daily basis in their own heart and mind before God, reading the Word of God, putting what they're learning into practice, wanting to honor God in all their relationships they have because they know what they're doing. Prayer to the Lord becomes regular. Preaching is heard regularly and practiced. They learn and they want to learn sanctifying truth. They want to serve the brethren. They want to fellowship and they want to contribute to the growth of the body and the advancement of the gospel. They're concerned about people's souls. All these and more have a way of preventing the wear and tear of the Constitution and give a general prosperity and well-being of a person who pursues God's wisdom. And all this is God's wisdom. And that's where it all leads to. And then the last thing is this. The reward of a, of, of a wise life. It really is it's leading to this raising up a child that's wise not perfect wise not a child who, who never makes a mistake never falls off the bench but a wise child they they get it they un, they understand from honoring their parents and learning the word of god and Following them, they they're they're learning things, and they're now they're growing older to mature uh, and becoming mature, and now they're starting to put into practice the things they've learned. See, that's what a wise child is. It says, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. And then another passage would would say this: He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow. And the father of a fool has no joy. So it is a foolish son that brings grief to his mother. She sees his foolish choices or her foolish choices ripening into character and into destiny. In other words, he or she is not behaving in accordance with what she taught them. And that could be the case. A child will grow up. And they will rebel against the wisdom that a parent had given their child and go off and do their own thing. But nonetheless, the joy and gladness of a parent who sees a wise child, who a parent who uh, definitely knows that their children are putting into practice what they taught them, yet imperfectly. Like it says in Proverbs, again, in Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-five: let your father and mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. As she sees you grow up and become responsible and become dependent on the Lord for living your life, who learns how to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So consequently, young people, when they obey, several uh, positive things do take place. What are they? They learn how to avoid much conflict. You can't avoid all conflict, but much of it. They make their parents glad. They become that beautiful picture of a young person who honors their parents. You feel glad yourself. You avoid dangers and difficulties that your parents foresee, but you can't because of your youth and lack of experience. You learn to please God and reap the benefits of what that means. You learn to enjoy life, the life that God has given you, and you become increasingly thankful for it. You grow into a wise and productive person. So young people, if you haven't been doing well in this area then today show your parents, show your mom, show your dad, you mean business and prove it to them by practicing it every day. It may mean that you must come and repent and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have not done that yet. It may mean that you need to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit of God's control, if you are a believer, and also that he may be able to give you uh, the power to live a, as an instrument of righteousness in this world. And let me just say this, that if there is one ultimate example in Scripture of someone who kept the fifth commandment was Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate example, and it happened when he was just 12 years old. They went to Jerusalem, Mary, Joseph, and their whole caravan went to Jerusalem for the holy days, and as the days were over and they were heading back home, uh, Jesus and his parents got separated. And the reason why they did, because Mary and Joseph thought they were with other family members and part of the caravan, and Jesus was still back in Jerusalem talking with the the elders in the temple. And so Mary and Joseph realized that he wasn't there, and Mary and Joseph could not find him in the midst of the caravan, and they headed back to Jerusalem and found him in the temple talking to the, the elders, and when they found him and directed him to come with them, this is what it says, Jesus Tells us his attitude. And this is what his attitude. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. Jesus honored his parents as a 12 year old. Maybe that's the height of the switch between being just the child in the home and independence. That's a crucial time, and it shows that he obeyed. And then, in manhood, Jesus, at his death on the cross, showed honor to his widowed mother by entrusting her to John's care, where it says this, therefore the soldiers did these things by standing but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, sister Mary, the wife of Cloephas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his household. So is that the passage that I wanted up there? It's not all right, so that wasn't the passage, but Jesus becomes the example of what it means to fulfill the fifth commandment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the word of God. Lord, it has been to us a tremendous blessing. And Lord, just these commandments are profound. And we know, Lord, that they could only have come from you, because we would not have narrowed things down to ten important principles and commandments to live by. And we know as we go through them that if we live these out, then everything else seems to fall into place properly. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom every day as your people to put these things into practice. And I pray that young people would learn that honoring their mom and dad is actually a benefit for them. And I pray that it would be a motivation for them that the promise that is connected to that, for an abundant and a, and a good life. And so, Lord, use these things to, to build your people strong, To build the church strong, to build the community strong, to build the the country strong, the nation strong, as your church puts these things into practice. And I pray this in your name. Amen.